BDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, and computer science academics. We highlight people with a passion for educating our youth in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. Well, welcome to BDPAI Radio. I'm your host, Fran McNeil, sitting here in Philadelphia, PA, on this evening, September 9th, 2014. And we, as usual, have a wonderful show planned for you. Our first guest tonight is Jay Drake. She is the Associate Information Consultant with Eli Lilly and Company. Of course, if you attended the 2014 National BDPA Conference, you know that it was held in Indianapolis, Indiana, and that Eli Lilly and Company was one of our prime sponsors. So, Jane. Welcome to BDPAI Radio Show, and thanks for sharing a part of your evening with us tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. It is certainly our pleasure. Now, let me just take a few moments to let our audience know a little bit about you. You are an IT business analyst with EI Lilly and Company, and you have a number of IT certifications. Um, and you have also have quite a history with BDPA, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Um, BDPA has played a key role in decisions, including college and your employer, who you have been with for a number of years. So I'm very excited to really just jump in, given that very light stroke touch of your bio, jump in and ask a traditional first question, which is, how did you first learn about BDPA? Because I think that will allow our listeners to hear a little bit about your BDPA story uh, that leads you to where you are now. So how did you first learn about BDPA? Um, I first learned about uh, VDPA uh, when I was in um, middle school back in Gary, Indiana. Uh, There was uh, a chapter there, and they were looking for students to uh, compete in a computer competition. Uh, And so that's when I first learned about it. My mother was, is a teacher, well, is a retired teacher in Gary, um, and she was always looking for opportunities um, for me to, you know, explore new things, and uh, that's how I found out about it. Um, and it was actually a, a really great experience, and I remember um, competing in HSBC back in 1992 uh, when it was in Detroit. So wow. there was a, a busload of us. Yeah, there was a busload of us kids that uh, – made a road trip and uh, competed in the competition, and that was actually my first uh, hands-on introduction to IT. Wow. So it's it's really fascinating the number of high school students that find out because of their parents, um, and then as they get involved, 
um, whether it's the road trip, literally on the road in a car or a bus, or the flight to the national conference that gets them exposed to IT and a lot of professionals. When you look back at that experience, what was memorable about you know, being part of HSBC and BDPA? Uh, the thing that was really memorable to me was our um, our teachers and our instructors just, you know, really taking the time with us and, and being dedicated to make sure that, you know, we had the, you know, weekly practices and, and so forth, getting ready to, uh, for the competition, um, and them just taking their time and, and teaching us um, skills that, you know, we would go on to use in the future, I think, um, competing in HSCC. Um, definitely helped me or um, helped mold like the decision that I made uh, to go into IT uh, as a career choice. So um, it was something that I remembered, you know, uh, when I was making my college plans, uh, and it really stuck with me. Um, and like I said, the people uh, that really took time to um, invest in us uh, when we were younger. Yeah. And that's that's a really important point because I would say, and then I should probably have scientific uh, statistics here, but I would say a large number of members um, are drawn to BDPA and the volunteer efforts with the high school computer competition. So it's always really rewarding even as people look back to hear what an impact the volunteers, the teachers, uh, the process, the support, the encouragement, the access to professionals really had and the impression that it makes uh, on a high school student. Um, so they tell us a little bit about or share with us, um, bring us, take us back to when you were making the selection for college. Um, how did BDPA um, influence the school that you chose, the major that you chose. What were some of the things that were going on in your when you're buying? When I was when I was making my uh, decision, um, it was an up in, IT was a field that um, you know if you majored in you know these certain areas, um, you would be guaranteed almost to uh, be able to find opportunities for employment um, and continued growth, uh, especially as you look uh, to, you know, continued certifications and so forth. Um, and so when I was, you know, a freshman at Purdue University, um, you know, I declared my major and I um, majored in management and had a minor in uh, management information systems because um, I really wanted to, you know, understand the business side but then also um, merge in the technical um, as well. And that has helped me, you know, even in my current career now. So I, I think that um, just just knowing that there is, you know, opportunity for growth and continued employment were, you know, big factors for me um, in 96 when I was making the decision on what my major would be. Hmm. So let's fast forward. Not quite... Um, Ten years later, but, uh, and you're now working for Eli Lilly. 
Um, college, again, you talked about opportunities, growth in the industry. Um, as you were getting ready to complete college and started to look at the world of employment, um, why Eli Lilly and, and what has your career path been within your organization? Well, I, I think uh, I chose Eli Lilly uh, based on relationships um, and being introduced. Uh, one of uh, our key sponsors within Lilly for um, BDPA um, is uh, Tim Coleman, and he's a senior director um, at Lilly. And he actually uh, approached me about Lilly, um, and, you know, I never regret that conversation uh, that, you know, we had, you know, over uh, 14 years ago now uh, for me to interview with them. And the thing that I was looking for was opportunity for continued growth um, and opportunity to have a diversification of a career all within the same company. I mean, I'm on that borderline of the, you know, uh, Generation X, Y, uh, I'm like on the cusp, and I was really looking for um, a company that, you know, um, I could, you know, potentially retire from because I'd be able to get several experiences. And so um, getting in the Lily, I started out um, actually very hands-on technical skills. So um, the things that I learned during HSBC they actually came in handy um, because, um, you know, I had to learn how to code in, you know, new programming languages and so forth. Um, and so I had that aptitude to be able to do that. Um, later on in my career, I uh, about five years into my career, I actually went into HR, and that's when I really, really got to um, be hands-on with BDPA um, because uh, for the last two years um, that I spent in HR, I, I spearheaded um, the interactions that um, – Eli Lilly had at BDPA organizing our um, national conference participation, um, going through and, you know, uh, reviewing the scholarship applications for the scholarships um, that we provide to students. And, uh, you know, that was just such a rewarding experience to be able to go out um, and, you know, recruit people to Lilly um, that were at BDPA um, and we've had, you know, several hires that, you know, I've recruited at the VDPA conference. I mean, one in particular stands out. Um, he's doing really well with the company um, and is in leadership position now. So um, after I spent my time in HR, I decided I wanted to go back to my roots, and um, now I support the sales and marketing organization. I'm not as hands-on technical um, <clears throat> like I was early on in my career, um, but I have that technical aptitude to be able to, you know, explain to my business partners the, the, to be able to translate for my business partners. And so I really do um, enjoy supporting the sales and marketing function, um, which is what I've been doing for the last maybe about five years or so. Um, oh, and well, also um, while I um, have been doing that, um, Lily also invests in you. Um, and so I've been able to pursue um, idle certifications um, while at Lilly as well. 
Wow, that's a, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk us through that path. And it's exciting and also sort of that you had the insight and you mentioned the R word, relationships. Um, uh, again, as the host, I hear that often in the interviews that part of the BDPA culture, part of the BDPA value system is really providing technical information, but the opportunity to really form relationships um, with technology as well as with people, um, with processes and systems as well as with organizations so that people develop um, leadership skills, a sense of curiosity, um, and are able, as you just shared, um, within an organization or um, even if it's with other, with several organizations, um, to have different positions, and to have knowledge that's transferable. Now, one of the things that Wayne shared with me uh, about you is that, and you, you've talked about this a little bit, that you have worked with Eli Lilly for your entire professional career. Um, and you also established the annual Eli Lilly Scholarship for BDPA students. So I was hoping that you could just spend a little time sharing with us um, how that came about, and from your perspective, now that you are on the professional side, you're part of the corporation, um, what's the value as, you know, as you look back and then sort of as you look to the future, because that scholarship uh, ideally will be in place for years to come? Well, the thing that, you know, thinking about, you know, when I was going into um, school and looking for money to pay for college, um, you know, for a lot of students, the financial piece, you know, is, is a big deal. And so um, working with Lily, I mean, we had the opportunity to be able to establish a scholarship. Um, I can't remember the first year um, that we did the scholarship, but um, I think it is very important because we want to be able to encourage our students um, to go into technology-related uh, careers, and we also want to be able to encourage those that are already in um, technology-related uh, majors to, you know, continue their education and provide funding uh, for them to be able to do so. Um, I think there are a lot of opportunities in IT uh, just moving forward with the way the industry is and um, any funding that we can provide in order to enable that, I think is a win-win not only for the student but also for Lily because, um, you know, there are potential opportunities for uh, students to be hired at Lily or to um, do internships. So I think it's a win-win, and I think it's something that we should definitely strive uh, to continue in the future. Um, one of the most rewarding parts of my job um, with the scholarship is calling students to let them know that they have received it. So um, that is a great phone call to be able to make. Wow, very, very exciting. And, you know, I, this, this has just been, it's been really a pleasure to uh, 
listen to you share your journey. Um, and, of course, BDPA's mission really includes helping individuals go from the classroom to the boardroom. So you're on that journey, and as you have shared, you have been involved in technology, um, gained certification, used uh, relationships, and developed relationships and leadership skills in different areas of um, your organization. When you look as we kind of end, begin September and begin to wind down 2014, as you look forward, what are some of the opportunities that you see specifically for African-American IT professionals from, from your vantage point, having, you know, been in IT proper, HR, sales and marketing, um, and, and in leadership roles? I think uh, some of, there, there's a wealth of opportunities out there. I remember, um, you know, reading something that within the next 10 years, um, we would, the IT careers would be booming and there would be, you know, pretty much a shortage of professionals to be able to fulfill the roles. And so um, I, I think there are tremendous opportunities, especially when you um, specialize in, in some specific skill set. So um, even from an IT perspective, when you go into project management um, or if you have, you know, idle certifications, I mean, from an idle expert perspective, um, at that intermediate level of certification, there are only roughly, you know, maybe I think some data showed maybe 24, 25,000 people in the entire world that have that certification. So, um, if you're if you have it and you're African American, that's a double win um, because then um, that makes you, you know, definitely more marketable. Um, as it relates to IT and those service management fundamentals um, that organizations need. Um, I also see a shift. Um, you know, there was a lot of outsourcing in the early 2000 time frame, um, but I see, you know, organizations pulling some of that IT talent um, back in-house. So, you know, there's really opportunity for people um, that can, you know, do the technical piece, but then also understand um, the business piece. So definitely a, a wealth of opportunities moving forward in the next um, few years. Well, that is really an exciting note to begin to conclude our interview. Um, and in the remaining minute, if you could uh, just share a final thought with our BDPA listeners and members and sponsors because you uniquely represent um, a big part of the life cycle of BDPA. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a, a parting word would be to, um, you know, continue to participate and um, volunteer in your local chapters. Um, invest if you have time in HSDC at HSCC and, you know, working with the younger students because you never know um, what that impact will be to that person, you know, 10 years after you've um, worked with them in that. Um, the experiences that I had with uh, Mr. Jordan back in Gary, um, 
in the early 90s is, is something that I, I still continue to take forward with me. So, um, you know, just in, invest in the youth um, of BDPA and, you know, continue to do what you can um, at volunteering in the organization once you do reach the boardroom. Well, Jeanne, thank you so much for your time and your talent, your commitment, and your leadership um, within BDPA, within Eli Lilly, and within your community. Um, it's really, really exciting to hear directly from individuals that are making a difference and making a significant difference. And I, I want to thank you for sharing, again, your time on our show tonight. So have a great evening um, and have a great week. And look forward to having thank you, you so and much. other members of your team back on. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, folks, uh, we were just interviewing John A. Drake, Associate Information Consultant with Eli Lilly and Company. Um, as you heard, uh, in her current role as an IT business analyst with EI Lilly and Company, um, she has had the she has the opportunity to really be a part of BDPA, uh, be a professional, be a leader, and she shared with us how she started in BDPA back in middle school in Gary, Indiana, and was part of the. 1992 HSCC team that was trained by the Northwest Indiana chapter. Our next guest, who is on hold, and I'd like to welcome, is Dejan Simmons, and he is a project manager for On Center Software. Dejan, how are you this evening? I'm fine, and it's actually Anwan. And one, thank you. Okay, good. good. So, and one. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. Excellent, excellent. I'm I'm so glad you were able to join us. I know that um, you had a full schedule, and that's one of the nice things about technology. Uh, we use Blog Talk Radio here for the iRadio show, and so I was able to see that you had joined and uh, kept you in the green room, uh, the virtual green room. So we're just going to jump right in. I did want to share with our listening audience that you are a technologist with a successful track record of delivering technology solutions from the user interface to the database, and you're currently a software project manager at a leading construction software manufacturer, and you've worked as a technology executive for InfoSys, Accenture, and Deloitte, all multi-billion dollar technology service companies with hundreds of clients around the world. So very excited that um, you're bringing with you experience, which many of our listeners will want to hear about. I also wanted to mention that you're the author of a book, Minority Tech, Journaling Through Black Knowledge and that your book is an essay anthology covering your experiences as an, as an African-American man in a society that often misunderstands blackness and the need for people of color to own their own destinies. 
and value and the value that diversity can bring to the technology industry. So, and one, um, let me start again by welcoming you and ask you the first traditional question, which is, how did you first hear about BDPA? You know, it's interesting. I learned about BDPA actually as an adult. Um, I did not know about it uh, when I was in high school or college, but it was based on my experience in college as a member of NSB. Uh, and so I was an engineering uh, student uh, in, in college, uh, so that's my Bachelor of Science um, in engineering, and so I went into my career, and actually it was probably my you know, fifth or sixth year as a professional when I was wondering, well, what's the adult version of, 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 of NSBE? <laughs> and so uh, I actually uh, Googled uh, technology and uh, different groups, and uh, I found BDPA. And I was like, oh, this is such an amazing – oh, I'm sorry. I'm actually uh, at, a, at a meeting, so you're probably hearing a little bit of background noise. Um, no, uh, this way All right. we know that you're good, good, good. And through the power of Google, I learned about BDPA, and I was happy to to join it. Um, and in 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 many ways, uh, Wayne Hicks is to mm -hmm. me the living uh, embodiment of BDPA, and the mm -hmm. effort and the heart that I see Wayne Hicks put into. Uh, BDPA uh, is one reason why I'm happy to be a part of this group. Well, that, that is a wonderful story, and um, you're sharing a perspective that I don't often hear on the show, and that is um, not so much that you learned about BDPA as an adult, but that you were not specifically majoring in technology or computer science and that you were part of a professional organization in another industry uh, with another focus other than computer science. So um, NSBE, uh, NABA, the Black MBA, the, the, you know, uh, the Black Lawyers uh, Association, um, we really do have opportunities to reach undergraduates, graduate students, and professionals in those other organizations because technology, you mentioned the power of Google, um, is part of every profession. So it, it's great to hear um, that we uh, have interaction across the different uh, professional organizations and that um, Wayne Hicks, who is the embodiment of BDPA and a great connector and the executive director of the BDPA Education Technology Foundation, um, is, is a part of your story. So let's go to uh, really the second question, which is how did you start your career as a technologist in the IT field, particularly since um, your educational background was in engineering? Absolutely. So I majored in electrical engineering at the University of Texas at Austin, so hook em horns. <laughs> and so I graduated yeah. with my double E degree, <laughs> uh, and I immediately started working. I went into the workforce. I worked for a company called Anderson Consulting, which is now known mm -hmm. as Accenture. And I went into what used to be called their technology practice. And so 
uh, I was the guy who specializing in CRM was responsible for the setup of the various CRM applications uh, that we supported for our clients. Uh, I started out with being very much an upfront desktop client uh, guy uh, who made sure that the software ran properly on the laptops and desktops of our clients. But I eventually learned more about the whole stack, right? Not just the front end side, uh, but the application server in the middle tier, the database server at the lower tier. And the bulk of my experience has been implementing infrastructure solutions for clients, specifically in CRM. Um, I left Accenture to get my MBA. And after that, I went to consulting for a while, but now I'm at a construction software company where we make software for construction professionals, and I'm a software project manager. So I've, I've been promoted in, in, in many ways from the hands-on keyboard role of doing technology to the up-at-the-whiteboard role of mapping mm-hmm. out the different software projects that we work on, making sure that they're delivered on time, on budget, and with the agreed-upon degree of quality. Mm. So strategy, quality control, uh, customer customer commitment. Absolutely. So you, from the keyboard to the whiteboard, when you talk about that transition, um, at, at each kind of board, you're usually individuals are part of a team. And one of the um, phrases that you've used um, is software project management. But from, from your perspective, what are some of the critical success factors when an individual is involved in software project management, you know, using that whiteboard for strategy and execution and quality control? The number one rule of delivering successful projects is planning. And I have seen that planning is a place where projects live or they die. If you plan properly, you get, you'll get the right schedule, you get the right requirements, they will be complete, there won't be any gaps, you'll have processes for change control. And so planning is critical to running successful projects. And, you know, from my experience in, my, in the early parts of my career, from being a hands-on uh, developer or an infrastructure installer and the person who comes in to configure the database and the application server and all that, I've seen many horribly planned projects, which often results in the work being delivered late, uh, to the team working late nights and weekends to try to make it work, and that's all due to poor planning. So the rule for success in any project, but specifically software projects, you have to do proper planning. Makes sense. Now, who's doing that proper planning, and what are some of the elements? I'm just going to go sort of one or two levels deeper. What are what what takes planning off the rails? Um, what takes planning off the track? Absolutely. So the framework the framework I use for planning is the 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 phased approach. So you have the initiating phase, you have the full on planning phase, you have the execution phase where you're actually building the product, and you have closing. And so the things that take 
things off the well usually happen at different parts of those different phases, right? So in the, in the initiating phase, the failure to properly identify all stakeholders, right? A stakeholder is someone who cares about the project and will usually either use it or be impacted by it. If you fail to properly identify the stakeholders, then you won't be able to properly position the product to those people who will be using it or impacted by it. Uh, during the planning phase, if you don't get very detailed requirements, not just a, a wish list, but a very detailed drill-down list of exactly what are the requirements for the system, uh, then you're building things that you make up as you go along. And I've seen a lot of projects do that, and it's always dangerous, uh, you know, very dangerous. During the execution phase, if you don't have a great team that is focused, that you keep motivated, that you keep on task, then you have the problem of having resources that are, that are not motivated or that go off in directions that don't help the team advance. And then during the closing phase, one thing that I see a lot of people miss are harvesting those, those lessons learned. And, and lessons learned are what went well and what went horribly during this project. And you're going to get, hopefully, a lot of both. And I see a lot of companies and teams repeat the same mistakes over and over again because they fail to harvest those lessons learned when they close the project out. So those are throughout the phases of initiating, planning, execution, and closing where I see projects go awry. Wow. Nice, nice summary. Um, thank you so much uh, for doing that. Now, I want to, uh, talking about lessons learned, um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit because I mentioned earlier in giving a, the highlights of your bio that you've written a book. Uh, you're the author of a book entitled Minority Tech, Journaling Through Blackness and Technology. And just in your own words, why did you write the book? Um, and, and what does it mean to you now that it's written? Absolutely. You can learn more about my, uh, Minority Tech by going to minoritytech.com. Uh, again, that's minoritytech.com, and you can see uh, an overview of the book. You can buy the book. I have a Kindle version and a paperback version. They're, all my links point to Amazon uh, where they're hosted. So uh, minoritytech.com is the place that you can find out all that good information. But to answer your question, uh, the reason I wrote the book is because when I was an engineering student in undergrad, um, I did not see a lot of examples of people who looked like me uh, in engineering. And I would read a lot of books because it was required. I had to read books on circuit analysis, on uh, doing uh, uh, virtual uh, programming in virtual environments, and I had to learn. I had to read a lot of books, but very few of them uh, were, were, you know, were written by people of of color. And so I thought, huh, you know, once I got a lot of experience and was more was sort of in my career, I thought, you know what? Let me provide that experience. Uh, for young people now that I did not have, seeing a person of color on a book sharing, you know, what's the real deal about working in technology? Uh, what, what lessons has, has this person learned that they can apply to their careers? And so I wanted to inspire people of color to say, you know what, I see a person who looks like me in technology writing about their experiences. Maybe there's a place for me in this field. So I wanted to inspire. I also wanted to advance the conversation um, about what it means to work in technology. 
I wanted to let them know that look, the technology industry is a rich one. It's one where there's so much opportunity. Um, you need to be in the industry uh, because when it comes from, you know, our, the employment rate for, for, for blacks is, is twice that of the, the country. And it's been that way for decades. So, so we need the infusion of, of capital into the communities that we live in. But we also have something to offer to the industry. We have innovation. We have creativity. We have hustle. We have heart. We have all these things that we can bring to the industry. And so we also have things to bring to the table. So I wrote Minority Tech to really present that message. Hmm. So what year did you write the book? I wrote the book last year, actually. It came out uh, last year, I believe, in, in, in September. Okay, so the book is just uh, a little over, uh, almost a year old. And a year later, is there any chapter that you would rewrite based on what's happened in uh, STEM, the promotion of STEM, uh, and STEAM, um, and... Um, just the, the focus on getting more minorities um, in technology now. Right. I would say that one chapter that I would rewrite or one, one essay that I would rewrite, because um, the book is about technology, but it's also about blackness and my journey through mm-hmm. being a black person uh, growing mm-hmm. up uh, in, in the deep south and what that means. And so I talk about that in very real terms. And one of the essays is called, uh, it's called a, a Code of Conduct for Black Men, uh, realizing that, that we need to have a code of conduct because uh, this is a society that in many ways is set against us, right, from the judicial system, uh, from the uh, educational system, uh, from the career uh, system, uh, that, that system of, of employment, uh, so many opportunities are, are, are out of our grasp. And there are things that, that we need to do ourselves uh, to basically uh, to level that playing field. So I, I wrote a, a, a code of conduct, which are guidelines from a personal perspective, from an economic per, uh, uh, view, from a physical view. Uh, I would rewrite that. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of issues with, uh, black men and law enforcement, right? And so we're seeing a, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're seeing the situation uh, in Ferguson uh, with Michael Brown and what happened with Trayvon Martin. And Trayvon Martin is he's he's in my book, and 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 so I would rewrite that and say that there are specific policies that we need to have for dealing with law enforcement uh, because we have too many instances of of bad things happening. Uh, when you connect black men with law enforcement. So just to be honest, I would rewrite that and, and, and update that to how do we handle that so that we reduce these incidents of, of losses being, being, being lost, of, of lives being lost. Mm. Okay, okay. So understanding that your book contains essays, and it's a journal through blackness and technology. As you look towards 2015, 
what trends do you feel will be important for minorities in technology as well as minorities, young people who are thinking about getting into technology or folks that may not um, be as involved in technology but recognize there's opportunities? So what do you see for 2015? There, there are two trends. One is, is cloud computing. Uh, you know, there is kind of a scandal with, with iCloud uh, that I think we, we've all heard about that came out last week. Uh, but the, the cloud will be uh, the infrastructure of, of today and of tomorrow. And so many companies are rolling out cloud services. They're rolling out uh, applications that run in the cloud. I think that from a, from the perspective of understanding the technology, understanding uh, what solutions uh, that you get from uh, cloud uh, capability, uh, we have to understand the power and the potential of, of cloud. Uh, the second one is mobility. And you know, I'm talking to you on an mm -hmm. iPhone, uh, and, I'm, you know, and it's packed full of apps. Uh, these apps mm -hmm. are becoming parts of our lives. And, and part of mobility is wearables, right? I have a Pebble smartwatch, right, which is by now kind of one of the grandfathers of wearables. Apple just today announced uh, their Apple Watch, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm sure that many of my listeners are part of that. Some of you may pre-order <laughs> the iPhone 6 uh, when it comes out this, when the pre-order period starts this Friday. Uh, but mobility is more than just about devices. It's about services. It's about uh, solving problems. And, you know, there are actually people who are working to use mobility as a way to solve some of the problems that we're seeing with Michael Brown, that we saw with Trayvon Martin. Uh, and, and, and so there are, there, are, there, are, there are challenges that I think uh, we can fix, and, and, that, and there are solutions that, that, that we can bring to the field uh, in, mo in mobility. And so I would say that you have to understand cloud computing. You have to understand mobility because uh, those are two trends that uh, have been strong I would say probably starting uh, probably two years ago, uh, and and that will continue to be strong for the foreseeable future. Wow, wow, um, and John and Mon, as we complete this interview, um, I've, I've heard a lot of passion, um, a lot of perspective. Again, you have the flexibility to travel, um, be, you know, you, you are a double E, uh, electrical engineer, uh, engineering major, um, you've worked in um, project management, um, you're looking at technology, you're looking at uh, your lifestyle and the culture that you live in um, through the lens of who you are. Um, and so I'm just wondering, as, as we conclude this interview, What's a final thought that you'd like to leave with the BDPA members and sponsors, understanding that you're a technologist, you're an author, you're an observer, um, you're an influencer in the world of minority technology? My parting thought is you matter. And we saw earlier this year that, you know, these huge technology companies like Google, Facebook, Yahoo, LinkedIn, um, you know, so many others released their, their numbers on diversity. And I was shocked to see 
that across all these companies, there was one consistent number, and that, that number was 2%. That 2% of the technical workforce at all these companies uh, are black uh, technologists. And I was wondering, now, how do you get a consistent 2% number when you have so much variation in these companies and their business model and where they're located, but somehow there seems to be a cap put, and, and I'm not saying that it's always on purpose, but, there, but, but there's some ceiling that black technologists hit uh, at these huge companies, and, and I think that, that we all probably see that just in our own personal experience. You know, I've been the only black person in, in a meeting room. Uh, I've been the only black person in the building. Uh, at some of my projects, and you know, I and I only see black people when the cleaning people come late at night to clean that building. And so, uh, we have to have uh, mo- we have to mobilize because we matter. We have a voice. We have a perspective that I believe is unique. There are unique problems uh, that that we need to solve. That we have to position ourselves in technology. To, and so, we have to all be invested. And raising that number, that 2% number, uh, to at least 10%. And I want to challenge everyone who can hear this, that if we don't increase the participation rate of blacks in technology from 2% to at least 10% in the next 10 years, then we have failed. We have failed um, our future. Uh, We have failed our opportunities that we can have in the next two decades if we don't work to do that, and, and it's going to take mentorship. And, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, going into the, 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 the engineering field or studying that degree was a hard decision, but I had mentors in high school who saw that I was great at math. They saw that I had a knack for, for science, uh, and they, they recruited me into a group that was designed to get people of color into engineering degrees. So we have to pay that forward. We have to all take ownership of finding young people of color, uh, and, let, and letting, letting them know, you know, you have a place in technology. You, you may not see a lot of you yet, but if you join, you can be successful, and we will get more of you into the field by working together. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very, very powerful. Um, thank you again for being a guest on BDPA iRadio. I look forward to um, seeing more about your point of view in writing and I just wanted to repeat the website. If someone is interested in getting your book, Minority Tech, Journaling Through Blackness and Technology, that they can, in fact, go to www.minoritytech.com. And as you mentioned earlier, your book is available uh, in both paperback and Kindle. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening Uh, to share with us your thoughts, your energy, your perspective, and uh, looking forward to book number two sometime in the future. So have a great evening. Absolutely. Thank you for for, uh, having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, folks, we're going to wrap up our show. Recognize that BDPAI Radio airs the second and the fourth Tuesday of every month. And we have now, uh, we are moving on to our third year of being on the air, and we really appreciate your support. If you know anyone that is interested in being a guest on BDPAI Radio, please make sure you send us an email 
sharing um, who that person is, how we can get in touch with them, and again, why you think they would be a good guest. Our email is iradio at b as in boy, e as in Edward, t as in Tom, f as in Frank dot org. So that's iradio at b e t s dot org. And of course, b e t f is the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, which is the organization that is led by Wayne Hicks. And Wayne is the executive director. Wayne does a wonderful job of coordinating with BDPA members, chapter leaders, stakeholders, sponsors, volunteers, and really mobilizing passion that people have for the organization, commitment that people have towards helping individuals move from the classroom to the boardroom, and helping people um, take that energy and put it in the form of a donation to the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation so that the experiences that John A. experienced back in 1992 as a uh, middle school student um, participating in the high school computer competition and the students across the country in the various chapters are experiencing right now learning about technology, um, getting to know their peers, getting comfortable with being a young African-American, learning about technology, gaining new skills, gaining confidence, um, gaining leadership. And so BETF, the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, really helps to encourage um, and provide opportunities. So your support is important, and we love to hear your story about why you've contributed to the organization, how you contribute to the organization, and what a difference PA has made. I look forward to having you listen in, whether it's live or archived. And our next show will be Tuesday, September 23rd, 2014. So have a great evening, and thank you again for listening. BDPA iRadio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPA iRadio show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil, sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, and the Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcast the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on blogtalkradio.com backslash BDPA.